Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105-1 FM, Richmond's home for the Washington Wizards, the Capitals, the Commanders, the Nats, the Flying Squirrels, Virginia Tech, UVA, and VCU Hoops. And happy Friday, AWOD Army members. You know the new rule on 910 The Fan. On Fridays, we roll, broadcasting live from River City Roll here in Scott's edition. Stub, I'll tell you today, it's some kind of uh, elementary school day. Every single <laughs> lane is packed with kids. Yeah, I might need to cold the, uh, close the door if it's too distracting for you guys. Uh, but uh, these kids are all in uniforms. They're rolling. They're screaming. They're eating pizza. I mean, I'm jealous. Like, yeah, I never too. got to do this when I was in school. Yeah, I don't remember any bowling field trips. <laughs> right? I remember that if you got really good grades, you got a free bowling uh, ticket for the day. Did you ever get that? Uh, no. I, I think oh, the only thing I think I got good grades for is my dad would pay less for insurance. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's no, the only thing I can remember. We would, get, we would get free pizza for reading a book. You'd get free bowling for good grades. And that's what it was like growing up in the 90s. Stub, you missed out by about 10 years. Yeah, I had Sorry good grades. That. I feel like, <laughs> well, what was it for? <laughs> <laughs> it got you this job. So on the show today, uh, I have been putting this off for a few days, but there's an interesting article online that came out around the NBA All-Star Weekend, and it had a list of all of the NBA teams from top to bottom, not based on the standings, but based on worst teams to be a fan of right now. Number one worst team to be a fan of is the Washington Wizards, the Virginia Wizards. Ted Leonsis is the squad, and I'm triggered by that. I'm not saying it's wrong. Being a Wizards fan sucks right now. I'm just pissed off to see that that's how far we've fallen. That even though Detroit is behind us in the standings, Pistons fans are happier for their team than we are. We'll talk some college hoops with Ed Nixon, former VCU Ram, member of the Final Four squad in 2011. Jason Bishop, Lurch Papa from the Sports Junkies will stop by as we head down University Drive at 1.30. Plus, you guys know every day at 1 p.m. we hit the skins on the Richmond Commander. But first, we'd like to catch you up on anything you may have missed around the sports world. Uh, we've got a recent competitor stub in the Apple Scores app. But nonetheless, this is still the undefeated sports app. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The sports app. All right, we begin in the NFL as a few quarterbacks worked out their deals to stay in their current situation with their franchise. That's Saints quarterback Derek Carr. They rework his salary to save $23 million in salary cap. He was due $30 million in base salary, so converting a large portion of that into a signing bonus can help the Saints who will need to bring in some free agents to be better next season. Seattle doing the same thing. Seahawks restructure the contract of quarterback Geno Smith, converting his $9.6 million roster bonus into a sign-in bonus, and that creates $4.8 million in extra salary cap space. The Chargers, offense coordinator Greg Roman comes over, right, to try to help the situation there in L.A., of course, you know the head coach, Harbaugh, goes from Michigan to L.A. He was super excited to work with Justin Herbert, but a lot of people were shocked when he brought in Greg Roman as his offense coordinator because what does Greg Roman do? He runs the damn ball. 
And Greg Roman said, could you imagine Justin Herbert with a great running game? We don't know, but I can imagine what it might look like. So that's kind of the vision. Well, the Chargers, if you remember, had one of the feared rushing attacks for 10 straight years when they had LaDainian Tomlinson. So the last time they had a top 10 uh, running back yards per game every season, that was 2007. So since then, it's been Austin Eckler averaging fewest yards per carry at 3.5 of his career last year. Let's move over to College Hoops here on the Sports app. It was a really good game last night uh, featuring Washington State. And I was checking this game out, and I, I couldn't believe it. It went back and forth, back and forth, and down to the wire. Uh, you, you know, I talked about this yesterday. It feels like March. It's starting to smell like March as it feels like every single game that I turn on goes down to the wire. Number 21, Washington State on the road at number four, Arizona. They're down by three with the ball. Let's take a listen to the call. Front iron, no good. Rebound, Yaki in the lane. Dishes it left wing for the tie. Wellsy hits it. And he got fouled. And he got fouled. <laughs> Four-point play in Tucson. Jalen Wells. Four-point play to take the lead. And here is the final call as there's an upset in Arizona. Bounce up ahead. Throw for the tie. Front iron, no good. Cougs have done it for the first time since 1947. Cougs have eight straight league wins. For the first time ever, Washington State has beaten a top 10 team twice in the same season. You had Purdue cruise to victory over Rutgers, 96 to 68. And that was it in terms of top 25 matchups. In the American, FAU gets a much needed victory over SMU. Both teams were tied in the American coming into that game. FAU wins 80 270. Let's move over to the NBA. We've been closing the show every day with game day, spotlighting the biggest sporting event of the night. And I told you guys I was fired up for Mavericks against Suns. Kyrie Irving against Kevin Durant. Luka Doncic against Devin Booker. It was Doncic who put on the show. Uh, Should have seen that coming. Doncic scores 41 as the Mavs defeat the Suns 123 to 113. Here's Doncic pulling up for three on 97-1. The freak. And here comes Luka. Over the top to Irving. On the move. Through the lane. Mavericks running time down. Kyrie back out against Allen. Now attacks. In the lane. Behind him to Doncic. Top of the arc three. Kill shot. Kill shot. Love that call right there. Uh, Wizards Nuggets. We'll break down the Wizards further on the fast break with AWA. Just so frustrating right now. Jordan Poole moved to the bench, uh, had a problem with it, went 4 of 17, deserved to probably not even play, had a terrible play on an inbounds pass where he threw it to the other team, then didn't get back in transition. He's just been god-awful for the Wizards this year. Nikola Jokic has had a triple-double against every single team in the league except the Washington Wizards. Well, he checked that off of his bucket list last night as the Nuggets defeat the Wiz 130-110. to Here's Jokic for two on Altitude Sports Radio Network. Less than seven minutes to go in the basketball game. Now Aaron Gordon has it. Top of the key is Reggie. Reggie lobs it over a defender to Jokic in the paint. Spin move, spins the other way, layup good. Guy's insane. It's an alien. 
<laughs> He's an alien. Warriors-Lakers was the late game on TNT. Of course, I told you guys, no LeBron James. No LeBron, no problem for the Golden State Warriors, who are starting to get hot at the right time. And I told you guys, if the Warriors end up against a young team like an Oklahoma City Thunder or Minnesota T-Wolves, I think the Warriors upset them. Even if it's an 8-1 upset, I think it's going to happen. It would remind everyone of the last time an 8-1 happened when the Warriors defeated the Dallas Mavericks. Here's Curry for three, and the Warriors win over the Lakers, 128-110. to The call on 95-7, the game. Thompson stops to Looney. Looney at the left elbow, up top to Curry, right side of the logo, off the screen, takes a three in traffic. Wow. It's good! Wow! His fourth of the quarter. All right, let's move over to the NHL. So Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews in just his 54th game yesterday, became the fastest player to score 50 goals in a season in the last 28 years of the NHL in front of Toronto Maple Leafs home crowd. Matthews was able to net goal number 50 and 51 en route to a 6-1 win over the Coyotes. Matthews said his accomplishment felt great but added that it's a small step in a long season. He now has 350 career goals in 535 professional games. And that brings us to the OV Tracker. Every day on AWOD Radio, we hunt history. Alex Ovechkin's chase to catch up to Wayne Gretzky's 894 career goals. Ovi Last night for the Caps in their 5-3 victory at 22 minutes on the ice. Six shots, but no goal. So he still needs 56 to tie Wayne Gretzky, 57 to become the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL, singing at 838 goals right now. But it was a Caps win, and here's the goal that took the lead for them, 4-3. Let's take a listen to the call on WJFK. And Strom digs it out, left side, pass to Protus. Behind the net, out front, Sandin shoots, he scores! Rasmus Sandin in the slot, goes high on Vasilevsky! Oh baby, it's 4-3, Washington! I actually was watching this game here at River City Roll last night, stopped by with some friends to grab a beer and some pizza, and McMichael got an empty netter, Caps win 5-3, here's the call. And the near side, Kucherov in front, point with a chance, and Wilson turns and tries to get rid of it. Ovechkin toward the empty net, out to McMichael! He'll come down and score! Good game for the Caps. It's been a great February for Ovechkin. It was just really good to see the team win, even though he did not score a goal. We got the fast break with Awad coming up at 1245. We'll take your phone calls as we hit the skins. The Richmond Commander coming up at 1 p.m. Ed Nixon will join us right here at River City Roll coming up at 2 p.m. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM. It just takes some time Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 one FM. I have officially closed the garage door and shut the door. Broadcasting live from the private party room here at River City Roll. You can book your party today. Don't call River City Roll just a bowling alley. It is 
one of Richmond's top entertainment scenes with live music Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, brunch is great on Sundays from 10.30 to 3 p.m. Head on by, tell them AWOD sent you. Joining us right now for a little crosstalk, it's Michael Phillips. What's going on, MP? Private party room, man. You're going places. I know, right? They've got two TVs in here. It was a little loud with the kids as they were just having a ton of fun. Michael, did you ever get to do anything like that when you were in um, elementary school? Uh, I remember we had swimming lessons. That was always fun. They'd bust us over, teach us how to swim. Uh, <laughs> I don't rem- I don't remember bowling, um, but we uh, we had book it. Um, we had um, the donut place. If you got if you got A's, you got donuts. Um, we, we loaded up on free stuff off of our grades. We did all right. There you go. All right, Michael, so what sporting event are you looking forward to most this weekend? Man, I want, UVA North Carolina for me. Like, just when you think you've got to read on things, and I, I sounded really confident, you know, in my Monday show, right? Like, man, UVA's in, Tech's out. Um, you know, you feel like you, you know what the ACC is right now. Duke's good. North Carolina's better. You get a game like Monday that just kind of throws everything into chaos. And now I'll admit, I don't know anything about the A-10 right now. Anything could happen on any night there. But I feel like it's a chance for a return to form to UVA. They are talented enough to be a tournament team. Can they find a way to beat the ACC's best team? I don't know that that's a given. Yeah, no, it's it's a great point. And, uh, you know, this is the time of year where you need to string together back-to-back wins and get some momentum moving towards uh, the conference tournament. And, uh, look, I I like UVA's chances because it's in Washington, D.C. I think they'll have a pretty good fan base there. Um, And it's just I'm really looking forward to that event. I'm excited that you'll be there. And, of course, I'll be in Brooklyn for the A-10. And, that's the sporting event I'm looking forward to most is this Sunday, the homecoming game. VCU uh-huh. back at the Siegel Center hosting St. Joseph's 4 p.m. 3.15 pregame coverage starts right here on 910 The Fan. And I just think that VCU will burn that tape against UMass and bounce back in front of their home crowd. Uh, you know it's going to be a big deal with it being homecoming. Number one, because it's homecoming. Number two, because you've got two guys on the coaching staff that have played in homecoming games before, and Darius Theus and Bradford Burgess. I, um, I would be shocked if you, you know you didn't have like Jordan Burgess in attendance, or you know Mr. Theus, Ralph Theus, Darius's dad. So I just think you're going to have a ton of former Rams in the building. The energy is going to be electric, and I, I got VCU winning the game. It's going to be great sellout crowd. We just I, I've come to really appreciate this year what that means to have a sellout crowd at the Seagull Center. You know, we didn't have it early in the year. You took it for granted for so many years. I don't take them for granted anymore. It's really cool to be in a sold-out building of rocking VCU fans. And you nailed it on homecoming. Not a football school, so this is the homecoming. This is the event. It's a big game. It's a winnable game, but it's a tough game. Uh, They all are in the A-10, but this one in particular, St. Joe's team, that has some talent that will get up and down the court with you, that will give you a test. It's a great opportunity for them to put the UMass game behind them build a little momentum. I do want to circle back, though, on the ACC tournament because uh, I'll be there. Our good friends at Cowan Gates are making that happen. Um, I want to put a pin on the Virginia Tech Hokies, who are playing a lot better basketball right now than they were at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, it's a tough task to win the ACC tournament because of the talent there, but it's D.C. ton of Hokies up in D.C. I think they'll have a great showing. They did it a few years ago. There, there's a recent enough memory. These guys know how to take care of business. 
if they've got to avoid playing that Tuesday game, though, right? So Tech's not playing for an at-large bit anymore, but they've got to get out of that Tuesday at the ACC tournament. You don't you want to be rolling in Tuesday night into the hotel. You don't want to be playing basketball Tuesday afternoon in front of the kids who are bowling today. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge bottleneck in the ACC standings outside of the top four. Clemson's five at eight and seven. Pittsburgh's eight and seven. NC State's eight and seven. Florida State's eight and seven. Syracuse eight and eight. Virginia Tech seven and eight. It's possible they could get up to as high as the five seed, or they could drop even farther back with Boston College right behind them. So big game against Pittsburgh tomorrow on the road. Big game at Syracuse after that. You got to win your home games, Wake Forest and Notre Dame, and take care of business against Louisville. I like Virginia Tech's chances of advancing at least to the semifinals if they can get up to the sixth spot there. Uh, I think that's uh, crucial for them. Uh, all right, Michael, new Black Gold Fan Podcast is available, iTunes and Spotify. Yes, we met sir. yesterday to talk VCU basketball. And the question that we posed to the fan base is, who is more make or break for VCU in the closing games of the regular season and into the A-10 conference tournament, Sean Bairstow or Joe Bamisil? Man, I, I devoted a portion of my show today to saying I would love for Bamisil to get a starting nod at some point, not because mm-hmm. he's one of their five best players, but because I would love to see a quick start, and I think he's the guy most capable of providing that, right? Like, take that temperature early, see what you're getting. If he gets hot early, if he heats the crowd up early, that's an advantage you're playing with the rest of the way. So I, I was advocating for a little more Joe Bam. Uh, you, anytime we do this, it seems like you take the Bears' side and I take the other guy's side. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and not to not to diminish Bearstow, but I, I still think he's maybe playing too many minutes relative to the production right now. But he is unquestionably a crucial part of them potentially winning in Brooklyn. You need three good games of the Bear if you're going to come out of Brooklyn with a trophy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still all in on the Bear. Yes, Chef. Thank you, Chef. Love uh, the production that he's brought to the Rams this season. Great transfer from Utah State. Uh, VCU is at their best when he's running the offense and facilitating from the inside. But actually on the podcast, I went with Joe Bamisil as the more make-or-break guy because he can get 27 points or he can have eight and, and that's, you know, 19. That's 20 points different right there on the offensive side of the ball. So I think Joe Bamisil having a good game is more break or break than a guy like Sean Barristow, who at his best is going to score about 12 or 14. Bamisil can get close to 30. Uh, so that's why I think he is more make or break. Yeah, and give me a circle around Christian Furman. This would be a great game for Christian Furman to get back up to four. Now, look, bad games happen. Bad games happen. You're, you're in Amherst. You're taking on. A very motivated UMass team that's played well, that's got some good wins this year. Uh, but we're going to need a little Christian Furman down the stretch here if VCU is going to take care of business as well. Not to say he needs to give you, you know, 35 good minutes every night, but he's got to shore up defensively. Great opportunity for him to prove he deserves that starting spot. He's the premier five on this team. Yeah, and you know what? While we're at that, I do want to give Ryan Odom a lot of credit in the loss against UMass, he tried everything, all right? He, he went did. to Fats Billups, who hit two threes. He went to Roosevelt Wheeler, who made a positive impact and got himself out of the doghouse. And he tried a 2-3 zone for the first time all season. And I just love a coach that it's willing to throw anything against the wall and see what sticks. You know, I just hate losing a game and not being able to at least experiment with something. I'll give Ryan Odom a lot of credit for that. I mean, we, we've talked enough about Ron Rivera over the years, but one of my chief gripes of Ron Rivera 
was when they'd be losing by like 14 and he wouldn't call timeouts late in the game and he'd just be like, oh, well, I guess we lost this game. Like, no, it's a, it's a game. We're playing sports. Like, try to win. Um, and, and even to the bitter end, Odom kept fighting, kept playing. I think that practice in the zone will probably pay benefits long term to these guys. I, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, his And his willingness to put Roosevelt Wheeler in. Um, you know, I, a guy who he hasn't played in conference play yet this year, being willing to give him the minutes. I, I get the feeling Ryan Odom's not afraid to, to change his assumptions, to be wrong about things, and to move you know in the direction he needs to move. I think that's a great attribute for a coach to have. Michael, always appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Uh, I have a new most hated man in America, and, and you know I, I, bum, bum, I damn bum. sure don't like many Gen Z, and this is the worst of them. Alex Gonzalez, 23 years old. Do you know the name? I do not know the name. Um, are you going to talk about him next? At 12.45, I'll tell the story oh, of it. All right, so, so I'm going to miss him. I'm going to grab it on the Odyssey app. I'm headed over to World of, <laughs> I'm headed over to World of Beer. I'm going to have uh, drinks with my guy Rob George. Uh, he, he works for uh, uh, Bud Light and Brown. Um, he's part of the team that put together Bud Light Big Game Week. So we're going we're gonna to ha- have a little uh, – I'm going to throw down on a hamburger. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not going to do the, like <laughs> – this is an important meeting. Like, why don't you daintily eat a leaf of lettuce? Like, I'm about to throw down on a cheeseburger right now. Um, but but it'll be fun to uh, recap all the fun of Bud Light Big Game Week. And I will catch that segment uh, on the Odyssey app because I'm now curious. You have and, it, and it has to do with the Bud Light Big Game Week. The Super Bowl streaker, Alex Gonzalez, paid $42,000 to go to jail. That story is coming up at 1245. We'll talk Hokies next with David Cunningham. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So coming up next, I will get into the story here about the Super Bowl streaker, Alex Gonzalez, 23 years old who spent $42,000 just to go to jail. Uh, The story is kind of wild. One thing I don't like, Stubb, and and maybe you can try to defend him and all of Gen Z on this, all right, because he's 23 years old. He didn't even fully commit to the bit. He streaked on the field without his shirt, but he, like, still had pants and boxers on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I get the not wanting to increase the jail time significantly that that would add on, uh, but if you're going to streak, streak. Yeah, uh, his quotes about why he chose to streak uh, just pissed me off. We'll get to that next. Uh, but joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Clean Hotline, talk a little Hokies. It's our buddy David Cunningham. What's going on, David? Not much, man. Just uh, per- just uh, finishing up a feature story, actually, on uh, on some women's basketball stuff. Obviously, college game day is coming to town, so big weekend in Blacksburg on the women's basketball side. Hokies will, uh, will certainly be in the spotlight on Sunday morning. Yeah, let's start right there with the Lady Hokies. I mean, what is college game day coming to campus going to look like? Yeah, they're going to set up uh, inside Castle Coliseum. It'll be 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. on on ESPN on Sunday. Um, The women's basketball show for college game day, it's unlike football and unlike men's basketball. They don't go a lot of places. Uh, during the during the season, they have about five shows a year, and about two of them are, are studio shows up in Bristol, Connecticut. So this is a very unique opportunity for Virginia Tech. The Hokies join UConn and Tennessee, South Carolina, LSU, Iowa as schools that have hosted College Game Day. That's it. They're the first ACC school to host, and this is huge. 
Um, from what I've been told, sounds like, you know, Kenny, head coach Kenny Brooks and, and Elizabeth Kitley and Georgia Amor and, and some of the players, they'll, you know, make some appearances on, on game day on that. Sunday morning. Um, it, it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. And I think the biggest thing is Virginia Tech's fans, the fan attendance has grown so much this year. The Hokies are 13th in average attendance in 2019-2020. That was Elizabeth Kitley's freshman year. Virginia Tech ranked 94th in attendance. Tech is averaging over 6,300 fans per game this year and has sold out five games, including Sunday tickets, are going for ridiculous prices. The fan atmosphere, that is going to be crazy on Sunday. I'm so excited to, to get to witness it in person. Uh, I'm sure everybody's going to have an opportunity to turn on the TV at 11 a.m. on Sunday and watch on ESPN because those fans are going to go ballistic for college game day. Yeah, no, I can't wait for it. Virginia Tech hosting North Carolina 2 p.m. on the ACC Network this Sunday. It will be Elizabeth Kitley's last home game of her collegiate career. I mean, how do you describe the impact that she's made at Virginia Tech? I, I think uh, Bill Roth told us earlier this week she'll go down as the greatest Virginia Tech basketball player, men's or women's. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Elizabeth Kitley Adam, and I actually want to throw another name in there, Kayla King. Um, Kayla King does not necessarily have the, the team, the, the individual accolades that Elizabeth Kitley does, um, but I'm actually finishing up a feature this morning on both of them. I spoke with head coach Kenny Brooks, I spoke with both of them, and I spoke with both of their parents uh, yesterday for, for this story. You can find it on techsideline.com later this afternoon. They committed to Virginia Tech when there was nothing. And by nothing, I mean Virginia Tech was like had like a, a 30 or 40% win percentage all-time in ACC play when, when they committed. And they've won 59 ACC games, almost half of Virginia Tech's entire ACC games. They've changed the trajectory of the program. Um, Kayla King and Elizabeth Kitley, they're, they're both best friends from Greensboro. They committed at separate times to come to Virginia Tech. But what they've been able to do, first and foremost, they're great people, and they've brought in people that way because they're approachable and recognizable. But they're also extremely smart basketball players, extremely smart people, and very hard workers. And Kenny Brooks is, has never had to uh, get on them about anything. They, are put it, they put in the work every single day, and it's pretty telling when you look at somebody like Elizabeth Kitley, who should be the, a three-time ACC player of the year this year, and she's averaging about 22 and 13. And those numbers are up from last year, her second ACC player of the year campaign, which is ridiculous to think about. She's gotten even better as a fifth-year senior. But what they have done is they put Virginia Tech on the map, and not just in the ACC, but in the national spotlight. Like we said, college game days come to town. They've completely transformed this program because of the hard work, because of the dedication they put in. You know, I, I looked it up this morning, Adam. They've had 35 different teammates over their five years. That is the, the transfer portal era that we are living in. But they decided to stick it out. They decided to tough it out. They decided to, to stay true to what they committed to at the beginning when they committed to Kenny Brooks back in 2017. And to see it now, they went to a Final Four last year. They won the ACC Championship last year. They have a chance on Sunday to clinch a share of the ACC regular season title. 
and they've set themselves up perfectly for another run in March. It's kind of a storybook fairy tale, if, you're, if I'm being honest. No, it really is, and I'm glad you brought up Kayla King because you know she's the X factor. She, you know, they, this is a Hokies team that needs a consistent third scorer come conference tournament play and the NCAA tournament. You know, Georgia Amore is going to do her thing, hit her threes, and get some assists. Uh, we know Elizabeth Kitley is going to have basically a a 20-10 night almost every night, but they need a third scorer. Let's go over to the men's side of things. It's David Cunningham with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You know, Michael. Phillips and I were just kind of talking about how the next few games are so important for the Hokies because of the the bottleneck there in the middle of the standings in the ACC. They're not going to get up to the top four, but they could climb up to as as high as five, possibly. They very much could, which is crazy to think about. And this is a Virginia Tech team that is sitting one game behind, one game below 500, and they've got opportunities against Pitt and, and Syracuse in the next week teams that are also in that exact same spot. The ACC, like you said, very bottlenecked, very back and forth. Depending on the day, one team is leading at, at number five, and then the next day, you know, if, if depending on wins and losses, another team could be up there. And if you're Virginia Tech, I, I think the Hokies, their NCAA tournament hopes are, you don't have very many at this point because of, the lack of wins, simply. Um, they, they don't have as many Quadrant 1 wins as they probably should, but their season's not over. If you think back to two years ago, they made a deep, deep run, and they went and won the AC tournament. I don't know if I would expect that again, but if they can rip off some wins here and put themselves in position, and by doing that, you, you do that by putting yourself in position for the AC tournament, which is what your question comes back to. And um, it, Virginia Tech has Pitt on Saturday. That's a game it needs to win. On the road at Pitt, a team that got blown out by uh, Wake Forest earlier this week. Then you look at Syracuse next week. Well, that's a team that has been very hit or miss. If the Hokies can can put some wins together, they have Wake Forest at home. That's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. The team of Deacons are playing excellent basketball right now. But if they can string some stuff together, they put themselves in position for a single buy in the AC tournament. They don't play, they won't play until Wednesday, and they've got an opportunity to make, maybe make something happen and maybe sneak into that that conversation. You ha- you have to do it now though. You can't wait any longer. Um, Virginia Tech obviously dominated Virginia on Monday, thirty uh, four point win. Just honestly, I I was sort of speechless after the game because I've never seen <laughs> a demolition like that before fewest points UVA's put up since 1942 in the series. Um, but if Virginia Tech can come out with that same energy, that same mentality, Tech's going to have a chance to to win every single game it plays. Yeah. The problem no, is they, it's been inconsistent this year. Right. they got to build off of that momentum. You're, you're so right with there's no looking back. Now is the time to make a move. David Cunningham covers all things Hokies for Tech Sideline. Uh, follow his work today, Tech Sideline. Dot com. Uh, you know, have you heard about all the reports about, oh, the Big 12 has kind of game the system? I, I wonder your take on that. And, you know, who would you take in the bottom of the Big 12 versus the bottom of the ACC? If you're talking about Notre Dame against Oklahoma State, if you're talking about West Virginia against Louisville, who do you give the edge to? Uh, I think I'm, I might have to give the, the edge to the Big 12, but I, I think – and I, I'm, I assume you're referencing the article, the great article that David Teal wrote uh, yesterday. Um, 
I I read it and I I kind of agree. I, I think the ACC it's a little bit of both. I think the Big Twelve has gained gained the system a little bit. Non-conference schedules are not as difficult. You get massive, massive efficiency wins. You look at the ACC, the ACC is playing a lot more difficult schedule overall. Now, some of the teams at the bottom, Notre Dame and Louisville, aren't as good, and I would probably take uh, West Virginia or a team like Oklahoma or Oklahoma State over those guys. But the problem is, I think the middle of – I think the the middle of the ACC is slept on because of that, because people look at the bottom of the ACC. They get so attached to Notre Dame and Louisville. Now, it does not help when Virginia and Virginia Tech each go on the road to South Bend and lose. But I think that that part of the ACC is really, really slept on. I think Wake Forest and Pitt are both NCAA tournament teams. I think if Virginia Tech and Syracuse and Virginia, like, like, there are probably like six or seven or eight teams that should be considered for the NCAA tournament. And the problem is that there's this narrative that the ACC is bad. And okay, this is not the ACC of old in 2019 when the ACC had three number one seeds, but this is not the ACC of there's not a good team in the conference. And the craziest thing, the ACC wins games in March. That's proven. (laughs) Yeah. Like, ACC right. wins like nobody else in March. Look at Miami's run to the Final Four last year. Like, like that's what's going to, to be so frustrating for, I think, a lot of the coaches in the conference is you play against these guys all year, and you know how tough these battles are, and then you get disrespected by this national narrative. Yeah, and, and I think the national could, narrative, you know, I think part of that, David, is all of the big-name coaches in the ACC retiring over the last few years. I, I really think that has something to do with the national perspective. I agree. I, I think the, the coaching, I don't want to say it's gotten worse, but your big names are not the big names anymore. When the second or third longest tenured head coach in the ACC is Brad Brownell, that hits a little bit different than the second or third longest tenured coach in the ACC being Mike Bray. Like, there were so many great coaches over the years, from Coach K to Roy Williams to Jim Beheim, uh to Mike Bray. And you look now, and Leonard Hamilton's been here an extremely long time. Jim Laranega's still around. Tony Bennett's here. But then the list drops off. And yes, some of these coaches are very good coaches. Like, I think Steve Forbes is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. He's got Wake Forest playing great basketball. But the problem is he hasn't been around long enough and hasn't had an opportunity to to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, he has had the opportunity, but he didn't. But you get my point. Like the the I, I 100% agree. I, I think the fact that all of these coaches kind of retired simultaneously, back to back to back to back, the ACC went from, oh, everybody knows all of these coaches because – They've been around for so long, too. Oh, well, who in the world is Damon Stoudemire at Georgia Tech? I know the Yellow Jackets aren't necessarily good, but they beat Duke and Carolina this year. But people are going to look at that and go, Georgia Tech's a terrible team. And it's, well, like, they play pretty well at their place. So it's a little bit hit or miss. And I think, to to, to the point that David Teal wrote about a little bit, I think the Hokies can – the Hokies – the ACC can do a little bit of a better job – in the non-conference in terms of scheduling. But also, when it does play big teams, you have to win those games. You can't not. You can't, in Virginia Tech's case, get blown out 
at Auburn or against Florida Atlantic on a neutral court. You have to keep those games close. And that's the tough part of all of this. It's a game. Right now, the ACC is not exactly winning it. David, great stuff, man. Insightful. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Adam. Talk to you soon, man. Yep. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. New rule on 910 The Fan on Fridays. We roll. Broadcasting live from River City Roll here in Scott's edition. We've got Ed Nixon who will be joining the show coming up at 2 p.m. Talk a little VCU hoops ahead of the homecoming game on Sunday. Rodney Ashby will give his take as well. Both of them former Rams know what it's like to play in front of the home crowd on homecoming night. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's a chance for this Ram team to rebound and respond to the loss at UMass. But members of the AWOD Army, I've got to tell you about this event Saturday that I'm so excited about. The new PGA Tour Superstore opens up in Glen Allen, and I will be there for all of the excitement. They're giving out $30,000 in gear to fans. I'll be there from 10 to noon this Saturday morning. Come on by, talk some shop, give us your hottest sports takes of the year. It'll be your first chance to meet Stubb, who's going to be doing his first ever appearance. We're fired up for that. He's been working hard behind the scenes here. And so, yeah, look, I've done appearances in the past when I was working in D.C. It's just always fun to get out and about in front of fans in a relaxed setting like that where, you know, you're shopping around the store for the best golf gear and, you know, we can just kind of say and give some stories off the record, right? You want to know what really went wrong with UVA football this year. I'll give you the inside scoop. You want to know what's the latest with the diamond that we can't talk about on air? Well, you got to come to the PGA's Tour Superstore tomorrow when it opens up in Glen Allen. Stubb, are you fired up, man? I am. We can we can say bad words. We're not we're not monitored. We can we can do anything. That's a good point too. Yeah, we could do we could do like a an uncensored podcast. Yeah, yeah. we can really shoot the s if you know what I mean. <laughs> I uh, do. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. PGA Tour superstar tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We'll be there for two hours. Uh, don't miss it. The short pump PGA Tour Superstore grand opening tomorrow, February 24th, giving away $30,000 in free gear. I've, I've told all my friends to come because all my friends talk all this big game like there's some great golfers, and then <laughs> I see them go out there and they hack it up and can't even hit it onto the greens. And I say, well, maybe it's because you're wearing some nubby pants, right, or a, an untucked <laughs> shirt. Get some great gear at the PGA Tour Superstore. Doors open at 9 a.m. Stubb and I will be pulling in right at 10 a.m. sharp. Shop with the pros at the PGA Tour Superstore, 10941 West Broad Street. All right, Stubb, we mentioned we wanted to get to uh, the Gen Zer, who is my most hated man in America today. His name is Alex Gonzalez. The 23-year-old said in an Instagram post that he did not want to get old and regretful for not having tried to streak at a Super Bowl in the prime of his youth. So at about 6.15, in the middle of the third quarter, Chiefs against the 49ers, Gonzalez and his friend Sebastian Rivera, 22, both of Miami, 
jumped onto the field in Las Vegas, ran around. They didn't really streak. They took their shirts off. Pants stayed on. I don't give them credit <laughs> for not fully committing to the bit. To the bit. Las Vegas police arrested them on the report. Here's what Gonzalez since has said on an Instagram video. This is what's starting to tilt me. He said, Stub, one of my goals has always been to streak at the Super Bowl. I mean, that's where we need to stop this story right now. How is that one of your life goals, dude? You're 23 years old and that's what you want to do? Here's why. Because he's an Instagram influencer. All the influencers, the worst people in this country. He said, I don't want to be that guy that I'm rich and I'm 50 years old and I'm like, damn, I wish I would have done that when I was younger. So I'll do it now. He ended up posting the incident, the lead-up to the video, and a recap all on his YouTube channel. He said, we will go down as legends. How I streaked the Super Bowl in 2024. It was not a full streak. It's a half streak. You don't get any credit for that. All right? It pissed me off. Streaking in Merriam-Webster's dictionary is to run naked through a public place. You didn't do that. Tony Romo called you out on it for the broadcast, said it was a half streak. We all know the thing, uh, a real streak. It just pisses me off that he did this for clout. All right? And here's the worst part about it. He's rich because he has 446,000 followers on Instagram, and he calls himself a day trader on his Instagram profile. I'll tell you right now, if you take his day trades, you're a joke. All right, There's no way any of those are ever hitting. This guy's a loser who's, who makes money on Instagram and thinks he's so cool. All right, He paid $42,000 to go to jail. It, the Super Bowl tickets cost him $42,853. That's more than $85,000 in expenses to do what? To get on a, a national stage and do a YouTube video? I think they should throw this guy in jail, Stub, and make him learn a lesson. Like, not just spend the night in jail. Put him in a damn cell for three weeks and see how he learns. Do a YouTube video about that, Gonzalez. <laughs> I I want you you mentioned that you're mad that his motivation was clout. What would be what's the best motivation to go streaking? Uh there is no motivation. You, it, 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 it needs to be like alcohol infused. It needs you know to be an I mean? in the moment kind of thing. Yeah, you gotta... in the moment thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. I, 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 you know, we've seen this before. I hate streakers that plan the bit. Right? We had this during, I believe it was like a soccer game three years ago, uh, where this girl came out because she was promoting a website and she had the website on her body when she she didn't even streak either. She, you know, she was wearing like a bathing suit or something, but she made a whole post uh, streak video about her her entering this stadium and she was telling all the people in her section wait till this minute mark I'm gonna streak on the field I hate that stuff you know can, can we do a spur of the moment streak that's yeah, the best it, kind it needs of streak to be inspired yes. so mad that I don't know that the Chiefs missed, fumbled the ball that you have to run out on the field completely well, nude is that it, it, <laughs> the best the best time to streak is inspired by losing in beer pong six cups to nothing. That's when you streak, right? <laughs> That's the inspiration you need is the whole group of, of a party saying, hey, take your pants off and run around the house naked because you stunk. You got skunked. Um, but yeah, Gonzalez and Rivera, my two most hated men in America, 23 and 22 years old, Instagram influencers who ran on the field during the Super Bowl. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm, I'm not defending these people as a Gen Zer. Influencer is its own bubble of of person uh, that I, I feel no inspiration to defend at all. Uh, I know they're not going to be remembered. I'm going to forget both of their names after today. That's very true. Forever, uh, they're not going down in history. Ever, <laughs> uh, like you're not. Uh, you got like I didn't even know their names when it happened. That that's right. not 
fame. I don't know. Right. Um, so he said, quote, Gonzalez said, quote, so many people are asking me, how was it when I was streaking on the field? Honestly, I don't remember anything. I actually remember nothing. It was such a blur. The second I hit the field, I kind of blacked out, and I pretty much came back to realization pretty much when I was in the cell. <laughs> this is to show you guys I commit to my big goals. I literally just paid $42,000 to go to jail, and he's laughing about it. And at the end of the YouTube video, he is seen emerging from what appears to be the Clark County Detention Center by laughing and saying, this is the stupidest thing we've ever done. They should have kept him at Clark County Detention <laughs> Center for an extra three weeks. He didn't learn his lesson. No, but you he know didn't, what? No. But you know what? It's not done yet. He has a court date set for April 17th. Gonzalez and Rivera, the court records show, this is not done yet. This story might have legs, and I might get what I want, and that's this guy to serve, like, an actual bit of jail time because it's so stupid doing something for clout. You know, he, he could have hurt somebody. He could have hurt one of the security guards. What? what if a security guard pulled his hamstring trying to race him? <laughs> Who's paying for that medical bill? Huh? Pulled hamstring, that could cost a lot of money over six months. I mean, what if what if uh, a security guard, you know, tried to tackle him and they found out that he had like a knife in his back pocket and someone got I mean, there's just so many things that could have happened. It's just I, I hate this story and I think he should serve jail time. Not a good year for people named Rivera. Yeah. And once again, it was a half streak, not even a real streak. He did not commit to the bit. He's a loser. Go yeah, to jail. Go like... directly to jail. Do not pass go. <laughs> Do not collect any money. This is just more aggressive trespassing. Right. Right. <laughs> like it's not it's not interesting. You just you just got no. on the field. No. And when the story first came out, there were rumors that he put a $10,000 bet on somebody to streak at the Super Bowl I've to win yeah. $20,000. Turns out that's not true at all. In fact, he just paid $84,000 to go to jail uh, and, and, and make a YouTube video. And that's the worst part about this is because he has so many damn followers, some idiot company is going to pay him to post about them on YouTube. He's going to make that $84,000 back in a week. By the time he goes to court, he's going to be plus money. You could, I promise you that because these influencers get paid left and right. Nobody wants to pay a radio host, apparently, right? <laughs> but, oh, you got a bit of an Instagram following. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, throw money your way. I hate this country sometimes with influencers. It's the worst people on the planet. I mean, influencers. You're, you're kind of an influencer. Yeah, but I do a job, too. <laughs> you know, I don't just sit at home on Twitch, you know, streaming myself, picking my nose. You know, I'm trying to entertain people for three hours. Some people might hate the show. I know we've got people that love it. That's why we've got the AWOD army. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.